You're listening to a Tudor in Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference podcast. The 10th annual Tudor in Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference took place at the Royal Irish Academy on the 19th and 20th of August 2022. The conference was generously supported by the Royal Irish Academy and Marsh's Library. As in previous years, the conference was recorded for podcasting by Real Smart Media in association with History Hub. You can access the archive of Tudor and Stuart Ireland Conference podcasts on History Hub's website, historyhub.ie, as well as on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Spotify. In this episode, a recording of a paper by Stuart Kinsella from Christchurch Cathedral, entitled Who Inspired the Woodcuts of Derrick's 1581 Image of Ireland? The 12 woodcuts illustrating John Derrick's 1581 Image of Ireland which survive as a set in only a single copy in Edinburgh, are, with little doubt, the best-known and most often reproduced illustrations of 16th century Ireland. Some may be aware of the biases of these propaganda images produced to aggrandise the Lord Deputy, Sir Henry Sidney, but few will realise that the visual vocabulary of the woodcut images implies a much wider European print context and the influences which gave rise to them, which is itself a helpful caution against studying printed works in isolation. The 12 woodcuts are essentially two sets of six, one set comprising refined views projecting Sydney's organised vice-regal dominance over the country, and the other being naively executed caricatures of an uncouth Irish tree. In my initial study of the woodcuts, which Tom invited me to, uh, to contribute to, um, for an essay collection edited recently uh, by Tom, uh, I suggested first that the initials ID and FD uh, signing the images of the English uh, uh, woodcuts were most likely John Derrick and a younger relative, Francis Derrick, who were noted immigrating to England with two others on the 23rd of October 1550. Second, that these two Derricks were probably involved in the preparation of woodcuts for John Day's print workshop in London. John Derrick himself glosses the image with a reference to, quote, read more of Henry VIII's glory, his wealth and possessions in Master Fox's ecclesiastical history. I mean the acts and monuments, end quote. John Day's famous and uh, heavily illustrated volume. Lastly, I saw no need for a continuing Holbeinian influence in England, posited by some art historians, if there was a continuous supply of immigrants arriving from Europe. So this paper argues that it is from those immigrants seeking asylum from continental religious persecution across the English Channel who settled as alien communities in Tudor London that one must ultimately seek the origins of these prints. So I'll deal with the problems of it first. Identifying the artists who produced woodcuts is difficult. In the case of a monogram being assigned to an image, it is sometimes unclear as to whether these were the initials of the original artist or the person who actually carved the woodcut. Albrecht Dürer uncommonly could do both. Different combinations of artists and woodcutters uh, also produced a range of styles that muddy the water as to who did what. Identifying the person uh, behind the monogram is even rarer. In the phenomenal, and I have to point these out, in the phenomenal two-volume 1998 work by Ruth Laborski and Elizabeth Ingram, it's a guide to English illustrated books 1536 to 1603. So although they do not, in the end, give a figure of how many books were illustrated, I estimate that there were about 3,000 English-language publications with woodcuts. Of these, um, only 71 woodcuts are signed with a monogram, admittedly sometimes in groups. 
uh, which boils down to 36 individuals. Of these, only 12 are identified. That is, in only 0.4% of these publications in English are the artists identified. So it is fair to say, as has Henri Zerner, a recently retired Harvard professor of history of art and architecture, that the world of 16th century imagery is quite simply, quote, a vast and still uncultivated stylistic field, end quote. So now on to Fox's Martyrs, which is a... To, to investigate the woodcuts of Derek's image, there's no better hint to take than Derek's own, namely to refer to uh, John Fox's uh, Acts and Monuments of these latter and perilous days. Uh, his Book of Martyrs, as you can understandably see, it was abbreviated to. Uh, um, an enormous folio tome of about 2,000 pages, four times longer than the Bible, deliberately intended to mimic the, the scale of liturgical books. And after the Bible, it was the most circulated book in England and would influence English Protestantism for centuries. The 1571 Convocation of Canterbury ordered it and the illustrated Bishop's Bible to be placed in the houses of the clergy and in every cathedral and church in England. Early precursors of it were produced in Latin in Strasbourg in 1554, entitled Commentarii in Ecclesiae Gestarum Rerum, and in Basel in 1559 entitled Rerum in Ecclesiae Gestarum, the latter of which had a mere four illustrations. But from the perspective of woodcuts and our quest, or rather my quest, <laughs> to discover the influences on um, uh, Derek's image, those four would be dwarfed by the first two editions in English of the Book of Martyrs, which had 53 illustrations in 57 occurrences in the first edition of 1563, and 105 illustrations in 149 occurrences of the second in 1570. So this was an extraordinary efflorescence of imagery, the reasons for which still require investigation, particularly because as the decades rolled on, this visual emphasis became increasingly out of step with the contemporary views on religious imagery. The man behind the illustrations was also almost certainly John Day, the most successful printer of the period. He cleverly obtained patents for commonly required and therefore remunerative publications, such as the ABC, the Catechism and the Psalter, in order to offset the production costs of his more luxurious and richly illustrated works, often produced for prestige clients. Uh, such as the Queen's favourite, Robert Dudley, uh, her chief advisor for most of her reign, William Cecil, uh, as well as Matthew Parker, Archbishop of Canterbury, for whom hand-painted editions of the Martyrs were produced at Lambeth Palace. So now on to the actual woodcuts of the Martyrs. Um, much has been written on the, on the over 100 woodcuts of the Book of Martyrs, so without going into the detail, it is perhaps helpful to give a brief overview of the categories of images used in this extremely anti-Catholic publication to give a sense of the types of woodcuts being produced. So first of all, there are rather neutral oddments, such as the map of the papal tiara, a family tree, lavish initials. And second are very, very often small portrait format scenes of Protestants being either burned, and you, there's various groupings. I did a, quite a lot of analysis on this, which I won't go into. And then punishments. So there's all sorts of things, uh, including beheadings and falling out of a pulpit, which I thought was quite a good one as well. Um, third are the narrative woodcuts in landscape uh, format, presenting either the primacy of the popes. So these are... You can see why I wanted to get you all close up to the screen. Um, so those are just a couple of examples of those. Uh, or the seemingly endless depiction of public burnings. Um, 
So this colour one, if anyone remembers John Derrick's image of uh, Henry Sidney coming out of Dublin Castle, and you look at this particular man riding a horse, they're very similar. Uh, so I have two more of those. And then there was a fourth group of marker images, which are woodcuts that particularly stand out, such as uh, multi-panelled cartoons, uh, and then title pages, or indeed large-scale vistas that in many cases were tipped into the volumes. Um, here's the one of the, uh, the table of the ten first persecutions of the primitive church. Um, and another is this view of uh, Windsor Castle. Um, and these particular two are ones that we actually can glean uh, an authorship from, from monogra monogrammed initials. So it's worth noting in this one uh, that um, it bears the, uh, the, the prospect of Windsor Castle in the Martyrs bears a close relationship to that in Civitatis Orbis Terrarium uh, by George Brown and Franz, Franz Hogenberg, itself modelled on Abraham Ortelius's Theatrum Orbis Terrarium, uh, published in 1570, for whom Hogenberg had contributed maps. And we, when we note that Hogenberg had contributed portraits of William Cecil, Robert Dudley and Queen Elizabeth to Matthew Parker's 1568, uh, Bishop's Bible, the circles of Tudor patronage and book illustration begin to look very small indeed. So on to style. Uh, this is another, style is another characteristic for which Fox's Marshes is actually a very useful case study. For example, it's worth noting how close the illustration of the book burnings and the tortures of the Spanish Inquisition in Raimundo González de Monte's book on the subject, published by John Day in 1569, is to some of the Marshes' images. If I'm reading her correctly, Ruth Laborski's note on Fox's Martyrs states that the, the woodcuts, quote, are clearly the work of one artisan, end quote, but I find this difficult to resolve with what my eyes are telling me. Um, examples include these rather faceless individuals, um, then these selection of dark interiors, and a series I have dubbed as the dead eye guy, <laughs> um, because where it, might, it, it may well be but that the faces are a result of a, a deliberate attempt to capture actual likenesses. Um, I did find a, a fairly close contemporary Italian example, but who knows what influences were abounding if these were all by a single artist. Um, so in contrast to the intangibility of style, we're on much firmer ground sourcing the inspiration, sourcing the inspiration for Fox's Marchers sourcing the inspiration or, well, yeah, to produce the illustrations. Um, both Fox and Day uh, could prescribe a certain amount, but ultimately much of it would have been up to the artists and woodcutters and their own knowledge of existing exemplars. Margaret Aston has suggested that the master MS in Nuremberg was one source, which to me seems to fit well with the smaller woodcuts, and in 1558 was relatively hot off the press too, if you'll pardon the terrible pun. <laughs> um, so another rare source was an illustration drawn from Fox's own archival uh, researches, which depicted a man carrying straw as a penance from Archbishop Courtney's 14th century register. More commonly, though, um, sources were from pre-existing prints, such as Lucas Cranach's The Elder's illustrations to Philip Melanchthon's Passional Christi und Antichristi, published in Wittenberg in 1521, um, or from images of the monogramist I.K. in Robert Barnes's 
Papstroy, which should be Papstroy, uh, Hadriani Fear und Alexanders Drei gegen Kaiser Friedrichen Barbarossa geübt, published in Strasbourg in 1545. Uh, and then, of course, from images by the master himself, Albrecht Dürer, uh, namely his Martyrdom of 10,000, published uh, in Nuremberg in 1496. The Martyrs, 1570, table of 10 first persecutions, which I showed a little bit earlier, was also clearly inspired by Cranach the Elders, uh, circa 1512, Martyrdom of the Twelve Apostles, printed in Wittenberg. Um, you can see just how, how closely they just follow the, uh, the, the, the earlier works. The most uh, recent sources were Ludwig uh, Rabus's Historia der Heiligen, published in Strasbourg in 1566-8, and Fox's own, uh, Rerum in Ecclesia Gestarum, published in Basel, 1559, which bears some resemblance to the Book of Martyrs, and suggests to me that there may have been influence uh, or even personnel involved from Switzerland. Lastly are the influences from Holbein's time in England, where some of his images were recycled later by Jakob Faber and Lucas de Heer. But as can be seen from this table, uh, inspiration for woodcuts came from a wide variety of sources through the 16th century. I have a little paragraph now on, on reuse. Uh, the Book of Martyrs was illustrating quite different themes, however, to that of Derek's image. So rather than delving vertically, as it were, into the sources of images for Fox's martyrs, another tack is to spread the search horizontally, looking at a range of genres through the other publications of John Day's print works which encompassed over three decades' worth of publications, which you can see there. I hope you might even be able to read it. Um, there was some reuse of his illustrations, such as the image of the burning of Anne Askew and others at Smithfield, first printed in 1548, uh, and another of Hugh Latimer, preaching at Westminster, printed in 1562, most likely intended for the martyrs the following year, being the right sort of uh, um, size of woodcuts. Then other reuses were themes, such as uh, kings uh, represented on book titles, and indeed their distribution on the cover as points on the rod of Jesse, a visual dispersion also uh, used without the aid of botanical stems in Henry Billingsley's Elements of Geometry, published by John Day in 1570. So while this may not help identify artists, it can at least help group motifs. As a visual shortcut, however, I, I have here grouped together a table of 11 monograms or identifications of people who illustrated the works of John Day, some of whom, of course, were simply reused rather than local. Arranged chronologically, the first two were active in the 1540s and 50s and clearly reused. The first IF was um, Jacob Faber, originally Jacques Lefebvre, a Frenchman who cut many of Holbein's prints and worked on Coverdale's Bible in 1539. He signed works in three other books in the 1540s, one of which was which Day published, but he disappeared after 1548. The second, I.B., uh, is likely John Betts, who may have contributed to Hall's 1550 Chronicle and signed the title page of William Cunningham's The Cosmographical Glass, published by Day in 1559. He probably made a woodcut of Franz Bertrand's uh, Saxon ambassador to England in 1560, but was dead by the 1570 second edition of Fox's Martyrs. The bulk of Day's illustrators, which is sort of this section here, um, 
are from the 1560s and 70s. And ID is an early example whose monogram appears with IBs in the 1559 cosmographical glass. Most likely, John Derrick himself. Unfortunately, his initials are difficult to disentangle from John Day. Then eight woodcuts signed G or GL in Stephen Bateman's A Crystal Glass of Christian Reformation are thought by Edward Hodnett and Margaret Aston to be Marcus Gearhertz the Elder, and Elizabeth Evelyn went so far as to propose him as the artist of the 1570 Martyrs illustrations, which I seriously doubt. Um, anyway, the monograms IC and G appear in Christian Prayers and Meditations, published by Day in um, 1569, uh, and the text of which drew, or rather was completely pilfered from, Henry Bull's <laughs> Christian Prayers and Holy Meditations, uh, published in 1568. IC appears in 21 Scenes from the Life of Christ, and G appears in about half of the series of The Dance of Death, and both are probably reused from woodcuts from Germany or the Low Countries. Um, then just two monograms appear in Fox's Martyrs. This is like a, a s extreme zoom, and I apologize about the resolution on the right-hand side. Um, the as-yet-unidentified MD or DM appears in both the 1570 table of the first ten persecutions of the primitive church, rich with borrowings from German resource, uh, sources, and in the 1576 view of Windsor Castle. Orby, who appears in the composite punishment of the martyr scene in front of Windsor Castle first appeared in Matthew Parker's aforementioned Bishop's Bible, as well as William Lilly's Grammar, published in 1574, and Grosstest's uh, um, Testaments of the Twelve Patriarchs, um, published in 74, where he appears to have simply mirrored the 1552 woodcuts of the Flemish Jus Lambrecht. He may be one of the two Richard Bakers who are members of the Painters Guild. Then just actually go back to give you the placement in it. FD, we're here, don't worry, we're getting through them. Um, FD first appears in the 1581 image, and while most likely Francis Derrick, who immigrated with John Derrick, who I mentioned earlier on, in 1550, there is a possibility he may be Francis Demetrio, who in 1576 signed a portrait of an unknown woman aged 29. And then lastly, CT, who contributed to the 1572 Bishop's Bible, uh, Hollandshed's 1577 Chronicles, and Richard, Richard Day's 1578 Book of Christian Prayers, and Nicholas de Nicolai's 1585 Navigations, Peregrinations, and Voyages Made into Turkey, was thought by Margaret Aston to be the Dutchman Christopher Tressel. Um, this guy, I just want to add there's a little bit about him, I think I would just like to mention, about Van Noosh. Um, so, lastly, a good illustration of just how much 16th century woodcut authorship identification is still up for grabs is in the Dutch and French editions of Van den Noot's Het Theater, or Le Theater, uh, published by John Day in 1568, wonderfully entitled Theater for Voluptuous Worldlings, in English, published by Henry Beinman the following year. The illustrations for these are still widely credited to Marcus Gearhertz the Elder, but as early as 15, uh, 1959, Louis Friedland argued convincingly that they were more likely by Lucas de Heer, an artist who wrote poems preceding both Dutch and French editions. Uh, Joseph Leuvenstein, editor of a new edition of the theatre, has listed a whole uh, array of people who've argued for Gearhart, but they're mostly in a, an earlier generation. But he then notes that more recent scholars, including Jan van Dorsten, Ruth Laborski, and specifically Claire Eager, accept that the woodcuts are probably by de Heer. Uh, the confusion is not surprising, seeing as de Heer did himself teach Marcus Gearhart's son. Um, but it just shows how much 
there is still to disentangle, even for well-known works. De Heer also compiled depictions of national costumes, including the Irish, possibly for an anthropological publication by Ortelius, and decorated a gallery with these depictions for Edward uh, Fiennes Clinton, the first Earl of Lincoln, whose wife was the fair Geraldine, Elizabeth Fitzgerald, daughter of the Lord Deputy of Ireland and the ninth Earl of Kildare, which provides a number of pathways to bring us back to Ireland. So, um, and this is where the stuff gets, gets interesting. The most convincing links between images, however, is unsurprisingly in the degree of similarity of their features, something which no doubt uh, someone is making machine trainable as we speak. <laughs> So while looking through uh, the cornet player Bruce Dickey's collection of musical iconography, as one does in an evening, I, sp <laughs> I spotted this slightly blurred garden scene, and having worked on the Derica images for so long, was struck by how similar in style they were. I noted before that Derek most likely worked on the Book of Martyrs, uh, and was struck by the similarity of the drawings of the backs of Derek's trumpeters uh, and the halberd uh, carriers in, in Fox's Martyrs, and similarly by the kneeling figures uh, in both the Martyrs, um, so this guy here, and O'Neill submitting to, to Henry Sidney. Um, so I really was intrigued when I saw uh, that the text border in this um, image, around this garden scene, so, so similar to Derek, was actually in French. So, this brings me back to what Fox described as a lively picture of blinded justice, which first appeared in Day's edition of the whole works of Tyndall, Frith, and Barnes in 1573, before being reproduced in the Book of Martyrs, which is why I've been dwelling on the Martyrs all the way through here, so thank you for bearing with me. Um, it seems to be based on Durer's blinded justice for Brandt's Basel edition of The Ship of Fools in 1498. Um, I was also struck by the similarity of the depiction of the cardinals and popes here to those in another woodcut with a French uh, inscription, which is also not far off the uh, depictions in the martyrs. Um, you see there with the papal tiara and, and the cardinal's hats. This second French place uh, has been identified by Severine Le Pape as belonging to the tradition of engravers of Rue Montorgueil in Paris, which really does open a whole new boulevard of investigation. If you like. <laughs> um, the reason this is, is of interest is that in English, in England, the, um, the Stationers Company opened a register in 1557 for new publications, but the first time it listed engraved works in 1562 to 3, a most unusual thing happened. The first 27 entries of illustrations were all licensed by just one Frenchman already living in London since around 1547, when he had fled France for the purpose of religious freedom, named Gilles Godet, or Giles Godet. Uh, actually, sorry, I should have shown you that one ages ago. Uh, that was relating to the, uh, as you can see, the gravure de la rue Montorgueil. Um, so Gilles Godet is the person I want to talk about now. So what struck me um, is that it surely cannot be a co coincidence that Godet registered most of his material in the same year that the Martyrs Project was having 53 new uh, woodcuts made. Godet's early, earlier portfolio for the late 1550s to early 1560s was stylistically stiff, uh, including the so-called Agas map of London, in fact by Godet, which was based on an earlier surviving map of London which, again, the ubiquitous Franz Hogenberg seems to have availed of. 
By the mid-1560s, however, Gaudet's work becomes exquisitely more refined, most likely because of his uh, developed associations with the engravers of the Rue Montorgueil, effectively their English language agent. Um, appearing often in sets of six or twelve, Gaudet's stories or histoire of Joseph of St. Paul and of the Prodigal Son, published in 1566-7, the last of which drew on Durer, were of a different order to his previous work. The mystery uh, painting of the summer scene for the month of May that I have mentioned, uh, which you can see, had apparently come from Gaudet's The Twelve Months, registered in London in 1564-5. A set of almost uh, identical prints existed by Etienne de Lorme, which for a time were thought to be based on Godet's. So I've put Etienne de Lons on the left-hand side and Godet's on the right. And Godet's, you can see, a lot of them were the same. Some of them were slightly a change for a Tudor audience. Um, but Marianne Grivel's uh, work has clarified that de Lons' months date to 1555, and both are based on an earlier set of prints by Baptiste Pellerin. The reason this is important is because it shows that Godet um, was adapting an image which had come originally from the school of Fontainebleau through the popular print tradition of the Rue Montorgueil in Paris to Tudor London, where he needed to adapt it to uh, an English audience, as can be seen from this example um, of Delon and Godet's Januaries together, which are quite a different style. Ultimately, much of this artistry can be traced back to common sources, as much through the tapestry work of low-country uh, artists such as Bernard van Orley, as to direct Italian influence on the Palace of Fontainebleau. And it went on to influence other media forms, such as ceramics. Here you can see the same thing has appeared in a plate. Um, and Tom, you like this one. I found this on the top floor of the Swedish Museum when I was there. Um, a print by Pellerin, and it's the same sort of thing is being reproduced in, in ceramics there, and also then in wall paintings. Here is an example in, a, um, in Herefordshire where they've tried to draw using this as, a, as an exemplar. Um, it's a little bit crude, but it, it gets, they tried to cram all six of them into the one image, so that's probably part of the reason. So, final furlong now. Once one realises how, fluid, how fluid the movement of an individual artist could be, not only across publishers but across media, it is just a matter of trying to match things up. And here I give examples of matching images. Uh, within Fox's martyrs, you can see the, the figures of the faces are very, very close. Um, then between Fox's martyrs and Derek's image, the soldier's head there... Um, and then between John Fox's Martyrs and Godet's revised Tudor Months. Um, so there's a couple of them there. You can see the sort of moon face of the guy with the high forehead. They're basically the same, the same character. And the guy warming his hands here is the same one as stoking the fire on the other side. <laughs> um, so, and then... Uh, it, it, again, it's the same character, and this is from a completely separate book, but again published by Day. So the illustrator of this is working in, in, in the print shop, doing all sorts of uh, work. And then you have a, another later reuse of something that's a little bit similar there. Um, then looking at details of Godet, uh, if you look at the dog here, um, you can understand how he may have been protective of his work, because it's just been lifted and put into, into the martyrs there. 
this, I think, is fairly clearly the same same uh, inspiration. Um, and then, for example, the beheadings. This is Gilles Godet on the left-hand side, story of Paul, and then Fox's Martyrs, the beheading there. Um, so, lastly, I'll return to Derek's 1581 image of Ireland to show just how closely these woodcuts can be compared with Gilles Godet. This on the left is Godet, this tree, and I think it's very, very close, the one on the right-hand side, which is a, a snippet from, uh, from um, Derek. Uh, another example is the horses. On the left-hand side, Gilles Godet, Henry VIII sitting on a horse, and on the right, it's the, uh, the, the, the young boy holding the horse for uh, the chieftain in the, in the first place of um, Derek. Uh, and then bearded patriarchs, shall we go for, uh, this guy on the, in, the, in the middle, and Henry Sidney on the right. And I think that those are very, very close indeed. Um, and then it even gets to the stage where if you look at the smoke in the, in the left-hand side of December and then Sweeney's Feast on the right, it's effectively the same thing. I think these were used as, as exemplars. So, sorry for overrunning, but I do hope that I've shown that despite the relative anonymity of 99.6% of illustrated books in the English language between 1536 and 1603, and a great deal to untangle as to cause and effect, it is very much possible by visual comparison of material to link diverse authors, publishers and artists. The implications for the image of Ireland is that the London-based Derricks may have been trained by, or indeed worked for, uh, the Frenchman Gilles Godet, um, in the style of this, of the popular print tradition of these Parisian histoires from Roumont or Guy, which I suggest informed their two sets of six woodcuts of the English and of the Irish, respectively. Thanks for listening to this podcast from the Tudor and Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference. You can access the entire archive of Tudor and Stuart Ireland Conference podcasts on History Hub's website, historyhub.ie, as well as on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Spotify.